welcome, Haley, to my little podcast. I'm excited to have you here. It's been a while because we obviously had scheduled to do this and then things happened and it was postponed and then cancelled and then rescheduled. And so I'm really happy that we're finally doing it. Um, so for the listeners, do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do and why you ended up doing it? Nice to finally get to Samaritan, <laughs> Meg. This little <laughs> virus that came along and took me out for five weeks. What can I say? Oh, Crazy. Because you, yeah. you actually ended up in hospital, didn't you? I did. I ended yeah. up at death. Actually. Oh, wow. Wow. So crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy thing. But it was, um, it's interesting how these things happen. And, you know, you have two ways of, of looking at them. You either go, shame, poor me, or you go, what is the message in this? Um, like, what can I take out of it? And I've had so many shifts in my business over the last year and a half. So yeah. before we get into that, just for your <laughs> listeners who don't know me, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Hey Joy, and I'm the very proud owner of the Hey Joy brand, which is a size-inclusive brand specializing in plus sizes. But we do lots of odd sizes as well, because that's a very big market and a very untapped market. Because nobody really gives a thought to, you know, I, and I shared a client yesterday and it was just, I just stood looking at her thinking, you are so, so perfect for my odd size clothing. Yeah. And that she's very small on top. So she's got quite hefty arms, but very small on top and then very wide hips. Mm-hmm. And it's just like amazing how amazing the clothes looked on her because they've been designed for those body shapes. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I am, um, but I specialize. Like my real, real passion is genuine plus sizes. So we don't upsize from regular sizes, which is what a lot of brands do, unfortunately. Mm. And it is really, really bad for plus size women to try those clothes on because you can't take a regular size and size it all the way up to a 7XL because by the time you get there, the shoulders are hanging at the elbow. Yeah. And one of the gripes that plus size women have is exactly that, the shoulder thing. Mm. So when we develop these, I mean, we'll get into it later on. I'm sure you'll ask me where it all started. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> when I designed these, when I really conceptualized, that top of mind for me was that every single Haley Joy garment had to be respectfully designed from a small to a 7XL. Mm-hmm. And when we and when we did our first research, you know, when we started using models, I put a small and a 7XL next to each other in exactly the same garment. Mm-hmm. And I said to my production team, now you can understand my vision because mm-hmm. as good as the small looked, that's how good this, the 7XL looked in it as yeah, well. And yeah. that's all I was after. I was after consistency across the sizes. Mm-hmm. Well, consistency is key regardless of what you do. And, uh, you know, like you say, there is really an untapped market for, for plus size clothing. Um, and maybe you want to kind of go into that why you started this in the first place. Um, but, you know, just from me, I'm not plus size, but you know, the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head is the type of, um, I think it's Donna Claire, isn't it? The, that kind of, you go in, it's all large sizes, but it's still that kind of cookie cutter, uh, you know, rinse and repeat on, on the fashion. So, um, why, why did you get into this? Let's get the background. <laughs> so the, ba- the background is, it's, and you know, 
all great businesses really do start with a need. Mm. And I, I had never had a weight problem. I was very active at school. I left school. I had deep-rooted hormone issues. And back in those days, and we're talking 30, 30 odd years ago, like nobody really knew, you know, they just, again, cookie cutter. It was mm. like they put you on the pole. That's it. Put you on the pole. Mm. So they put me on the pole and literally just exploded. In, mm. And also I'd left school, I'd moved away from home, I grew up in Rustenburg, was now living in Johannesburg, eating lots of junk food, which I'd never eaten, because I think, I mean, in Rustenburg we had a Kentucky Fried Chicken, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so combined with the medication and bad eating and not doing as much um, exercise anymore, because now I had a car, so I didn't have to walk to a bus stop or anything like that. Mm. I just exploded. And I promise you that back then, I only wish we'd had cell phones to be able to document. There was no Donnerclare. There was no nothing in the plus size sphere. Nothing. Nobody was doing it. So I was at Fashion Design College at Fitz Technicon. I was, I mean, I'd been sewing since I was about 15. So I could sew. So I started making my own clothing because I needed to dress myself. And I was going to be a famous fashion designer, so I had to look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, kind of like the hairdresser that's got a bad haircut, you know. <laughs> yeah. 18 and you're going to fashion design college. And, and I mean, just as an aside, just to tell you that, I mean, it's just the craziest thing. We were 33 design students. They put us next to the mining students. All male. <laughs> All male mining students. Their faces, that's where I wish I'd had a cell phone again. Their faces, Meg, when they used to see us every morning in these hell of a creations, because we were going to be famous fashion designers, you know. <laughs> but I had this thing where I used to wear like layer upon layer upon layer. So I always had like a skirt sticking out of a skirt. And one morning I got there and I think this guy just could not control himself anymore. And he, Excuse me, lady, but your underskirt is sticking out. So I started making my own clothes and then like, I think the universal prod happened. Mm. I'd go to clubs, dinner parties, restaurants, whatever I was going to. And I had not one, not two. I had bucket loads of women coming up and going, please, can you tell me where you bought your clothes? And, you know, when it started to happen on mass, I did. I realized, listen, there's a huge gap in the market. Mm -hmm. And I was entrepreneurial. I grew up with a very, you know, a very entrepreneurial father. So I'd had all that experience. And I was like, this is a message. For sure, this is a message. Yeah. Plus, I'd had this dream to make a difference. Like, I had a real dream that whatever career I was going to choose, like, I actually originally wanted to be a school teacher. And the reason I wanted to be a school teacher was I wanted to have an impact on children's lives. Mm. So I started thinking that there's, got, there's something in this. And I started actually taking orders. And while I was still in college, I started sewing and I started selling. And I realized very quickly that there was this huge gap. So I left college, did a bit of traveling overseas. And when I came back, I opened up in my home, I opened up at home and I started doing custom odd and plus size wardrobes. I was doing a lot of normal sizes as well. And then fast forward to, I got to the age of 14 and I gave up smoking and had a major breakdown. 
like a major, like everything. I just crashed completely. And I was the girl that, you know, I, when people said, oh, they were having a breakdown, I was like, I'll oh, get a grip. Until <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, very, I was very judgmental of that kind of thing because I was a real go-getter, you know, and I was never going to break down. I was always just going to kill it. Mm. And I really got taken out badly. And in the journey back out of it, I had chosen to do alternate therapy because I really wanted to understand what was going on deep. And I just knew that if I kind of took medication, I would just put a plaster on it and I would never really get to the bottom of it. So I went into some really interesting, I did something called the Bach flower remedies, which was just incredible. I've heard of that, yeah. And in the beginning when she would say to me, you need to go and read geranium. That's going to tell you exactly what I'd read this and be like, this is not me. It actually was me. But I was so buried in this quagmire of confusion that like none of that resonated. Mm. Yeah, on our about our third week together, she turned around and she said to me, If I gave you one choice right now, what would you do? Sorry, not third week, third month. And I said, you know, I've always been petrified of being in a retail space. But there's just this like this there's this awakening in me that I have this talent, I can make these clothes, I do make a difference. I'm really stuck in the environment that I'm in now. And I think it's time for retail. Hmm. And she said to me, When you come back next week, I want you to have signed a lease. I'm like, Oh, oh geez. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that. Like, you know, the economy and the government and the world no. and what she said. I'm telling you now, Harry, she said, if you don't do it fast, you're going to come up with every excuse in the book. Anyway, kind of very long story short, I signed a lease within about two or three weeks, and I very proudly opened a retail store with zero retail knowledge. I knew nothing. <laughs> but, and I took 140 square meters. I mean, my, my retail friends were horrified. They were like, how can you take such a big space? Yeah. I'm like, I need a space that's going to welcome those kind of women. And you know, again, I'm, I'm just convinced Like the universe held my hand the whole way through this because the very first, so I put an advert in the, in the Beale newspaper and I started to get clients from Pretoria and from the Platteland and these were really big girls. Mm. And, you know, like a mother and two daughters would walk in and they'd fill the space. Mm. And I remember the first time it happened, standing there going, how did I know to take space like this? Because those girls felt like when they filled the space and yet they didn't feel like they were filling the space. Mm-hmm. And it was such an amazing, because one of the things that I'd committed to as well in the therapy was that I would become very aware of all the good that I was doing. Because I, I had come from a very negative family space and thinking space. And she was trying to shift it. So she wanted me to document all of those things, which became a blueprint of how to sell plus sizes. I mean, it was just it's just been an incredible journey yeah. um, of understanding like what is really needed. Like we made really big change rooms. Mm-hmm. I was adamant. You know, everybody said, oh, you know, add up how much that space is costing. You could hang a rail of clothes there. I was like, I'm not listening. Mm-hmm. Big change rooms for big women 
Nobody does that because they're counting the rands. Yeah. I'm not going to count the rands. I'm going to count the experience. And you know, Meg, till the day we left that store, our every new client that ever worked in went, oh my word, look how amazing this change room is. And every time it happened, I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned um, you. Uh, I, I went to a presentation uh, fairly recently, uh, pre-COVID, <laughs> pre-your COVID, um, yeah. at a networking group, and uh, you were saying that you did things that were completely the opposite of retail space. For example, you didn't have uh, you kind of blocked out the retail space from being able to see it from outside, and everyone was kind of no, no, no. Don't do that. It's damaging your business. But that kind of decision based on what you were selling, actually, it was a massive positive for you. Yeah, it was huge. So I had these beautiful, massive glass windows. The store that I took used to be um, a an art gallery. So it had so there's a ramp that goes up and there are these beautiful glass windows that go all the way up. I was like, Close them in, like cover it up. And everybody was like, you're mad. I mean, this is amazing. And it's like a shop front. And it's like, I'm like, I can promise you now that when my 7XL client comes out of the change room, she's not going to want all the men who are walking up that ramp. And it's a busy ramp because it goes to the fruit shop and the butcher in the mm-hmm. center. I'm closing the windows. And it, again, it was a very inspired, I don't know where it came from, but it, it, it was pretty much down to what I did was, I placed myself. I made myself. And this is, this is like good advice to any entrepreneur who's building a client-based business. I made myself the client avatar for Haley Joy. Yeah. And as a plus-size woman, what, how would I like to shop? How would I, and I've had some horrific experiences in, in stores. Mm. So I knew what I, all, I took all of those things and I made those that, that blue for how we would do it. So closing in the windows, I said, would I like to stand here and have all the food shop guys looking down in, in the know? I wouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't want anybody really watching. And um, yeah, so closing in the windows, the big change rooms, and the other big thing that I did, which I just, I'm so proud of, and we, and we still do it, and I'll always do it, is that when we place the clothing on the rails, I the, the rails pretty much by color, so like all the reds, all the pinks, but everything that hung on the rails hung from a small to a seven. And I can't tell you how many clients came in and went, Where's the rail with the fat clothes? Mm. Plus size woman verbalizing it because every other store that they walked into, the plus size stuff was always stuck at the back of the store, and there was one rail with maybe five things. And I was like, This whole store is yours. And that was huge. Like mm. that from a that broke the ice. Because they would come in quite closed, quite like you could see they were traumatized. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they realized, hang on a minute, there's a bit of respect here for me as a client. Their whole body language, their whole everything changed. And it was very conducive to bigger sales and better sales because they were comfortable, they were they knew they were being respected. Mm. And that's the big thing about when you set out to do a client-based business. In any form, it's the respect that you have for the client. You know, I run a WhatsApp list, and often clients will message me at night, and I say, please don't respond to this. And I respond because it's so much easier for me to respond at night than it is in my working day. Mm. But also, 
I know what it's like being different to the norm. And in actual fact, we are the norm. <laughs> That's what's so crazy about this. I mean, bigger women are the norm today. But I know what it's like. And I know that you kind of, you, you down on yourself. You don't believe anybody cares about you because you're a big woman. Mm. So I like to respond quickly because mm. I know that. I, I like feel like, you know, when somebody responds. I mean, I don't expect it all the time. I mean, people are in Zoom meetings the whole day. I don't expect them to respond. But we're in my line of business, I, I like to respond quickly and I like to put them at ease. And especially if they knew, if they're existing clients, they know me. But if mm. they knew, I like to. So that's, that's also a little something that I like to do is just get back to people quickly, you know, 24 hours response rate yeah <laughs> well i mean everything has become so quick now um the, the, the quicker you respond and uh i learned that the hard way um i'm i'm not a massive fan of social media and maybe we can kind of touch on the on the marketing side just now because you've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies and a lot of different things that you've got in the air but um yeah i had a i had a lead on facebook the other day and i i honestly i hate facebook i never check it and I missed this lead. And, you know, um, you have to be, you have to be quick, uh, in today's day and age. Um, you know, it's not a 24 hour turnaround anymore. If you're not there and responding, they've moved on within like a few minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because well, none of us are the only ones doing what we're doing. Mm. I may be almost the best at what I do because I'm so dedicated and so pedantic and so, but I'm still not, you know, if somebody needs, needs an outfit, they need an outfit. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've embraced social media, um, massively mm. because it's massive for my business. But I can tell you now that I, I, I'm, I'm still quite a newbie to it because I also hated it and it wasn't my thing and I, you know, I couldn't, I find what I find with it is, is that when you commit to it, you have to be committed because mm. you have to respond. So you can't set up a Facebook page or go live and you get all these questions and then you never respond to anybody. Yeah. So that's where the pressure, the pressure of it comes in, you know, but, but it has been so good for my business and it's, it's so important for my existing and future clients to see a real plus size woman. And the crazy thing is, is that if you're a six, six seller or a seven, six seller, you look at me, you don't see me as plus size. Mm. But I do try to use use my clients who are very generous. Like there are a couple of them who will, you know, come on live with me and that kind of thing. But it's in the world that we live in now, that's where everybody is. Made for you, a lot of your stuff is word of mouth. And I know you're at LinkedIn and you do really well on LinkedIn. Yeah. I love yeah. seeing you. Yeah, you and Tiffany are my girls on LinkedIn. I love <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and that's the thing also is that you don't have to be everywhere. Like mm. I, interestingly, have never found Instagram that productive. Mm. Whereas my Facebook lives are just like incredible. Like I get amazing interaction and I get phenomenal business out of it. Yeah. So that's when I spend my time because you can't because if you spend time on Facebook and Facebook Live and LinkedIn and Instagram. You've got to answer all those questions. I mean, you just aren't enough hours in the day to do that, really. No, but I mean, that's exactly it. And, you know, social media is just such a small part of, I mean, not, it's not small by any means, but if you look at it like a whole integrated marketing plan, it's just like a little sliver of it. Um, and you, you have to be doing 
multiple things and still earning money through the work that gets generated. So you need to be very careful in terms of how much you spend, how much time you spend on social and trying to generate leads and so on. And, you know, LinkedIn is my platform. Um, Facebook is not my platform. Um, I find, you know, based on the algorithms and all that kind of thing, no one ever sees my posts on Facebook. But LinkedIn, I've got a following. People respond on my posts, and and that's where my core client base is anyway. Facebook is more of a social thing, um, and not many people are going to necessarily look for a copywriter on on Facebook, but they might look for one on on LinkedIn because it's more of a business minded yeah. site. Also, another thing, another really important thing, and I've got I've got really disciplined with that is likes on social media. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Oh yeah, they, it's because they, 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 yeah, they, they call it a they, vanity metric. Um, it's yeah. great for your ego, but it doesn't actually give you anything. No, it, it doesn't produce. <laughs> I mean, there's no income from it. Mm. But I can tell you also just from like my crazy interaction that I get, and I do really get amazing interaction. But if I look at the percentage of business that I get from that interaction, it is minuscule. So social media is a numbers game. If you reach 5,000 people and you have one sale, you're actually doing really well. But if you don't understand the algorithm and the reach thing and all of that, it will destroy you. It will absolutely destroy your confidence. So I've divorced myself from all emotion around it uh, because I've done a lot of studying, a lot of reading, and that's something that I would I would advise. There's so much stuff out there. I mean, there's a guy called um, Michael Seltzer from the Social Media Examiner. I don't know if you've ever seen any of their stuff. I mean, they are I have so, gen- mm. oh, so generous. They share amazing stuff and about the algorithms and how it works. Like, you need to go and read up on that and understand that it's actually what's most important is consistency of posting. Yeah. Don't worry about what you're getting from it. Just keep posting because that's what will bring you the leads in the people that you like you know you and trust you those yeah. three little it's so important and i am living proof of that because i used to get so frustrated like i'd get like a hundred likes on a post and it would reach ten thousand people and, a, and crickets i'd hear nothing yeah and i'd be like this because i'm not doing this anymore mm. but when i started to show up live and that happened during COVID. Mm. Um, I realized, like, you know, my coach and a good friend of mine who lives in New York, Tracy, she had said to me, you need, you need to show yourself. Mm. Like, it does not help if it, you are doing, like, no good to you. But I'm never going to show up loud. Like, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Yeah. And then in COVID, during COVID, in the beginning of COVID, I just had this thing like, I really just need to stay connected to my clients. Like it's important that I stay connected. Yeah. And I went live and sure was like, okay, this is there's something in this. And I started getting all these private messages because my girls are comfortable to private message me. Mm-hmm. Then I realized drop my WhatsApp number and then they can actually just get to me on WhatsApp. And it's been phenomenal. Like I've mm-hmm. had most incredible experience through it. But I can't say to you that I've made masses of money out of it. Mm. Like I've had to nurture those clients via WhatsApp. Yes. Big time. Before yeah. I've made masses. 
money. So don't let's get carried away that I'm having a great time on live Facebook and I'm making a fortune. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I, th- I think that that's kind of like a a misnomer, really. You know, you read all these blogs about you need to do this and you'll see X amount of return and you need to do that. And, okay, yes, like maybe in the American market. Um, South Africa is not the US, you know. Um, so in terms of even on, on an SEO basis, we're still very tactile in that you need to be doing multiple things and keeping in contact with your clients rather than just putting all your effort into this random algorithm stuff that happens on the back end. Uh, people buy from people and your content can be great, but if you're not actually forming a relationship with your people um, that buy from you, then you're not really doing very much at all. Uh, it's all a branding exercise at the end of the day. Um, and like with networking, you push your fingers into, you, you, you know, you make all these connections and those people are not necessarily going to buy from you, but um, you build relationships with them. And I've found that the longer you're in like a networking situation, because I, I get a fair amount of business from my networking groups as well. Um, you know, it took six months before I got any business from anyone because they don't know who you are. Um, and look, I mean, maybe I'm talking a big load of crap, like, but that's that's my experience. Um, it's it's you you need to be on these platforms to be visible. But if you're not building the actual relationship, then you're not doing much of anything at all. I'm going to tell you something very interesting. One of my 2021 observations, and that's from being in networking groups as well, which pre-COVID I never did because I never had time. And I've realised the value of those. And as you say, you may not get any business up front out of it. But here's the thing that I've realized. So when you're in a networking group, and maybe you'll observe this going forward, and somebody mentions um, anything, so whether they mention you as a copywriter or me as a fashion designer, people don't ever ask, like, oh, so what do the products look like? The first question most people ask is, how do you know her? Yeah. And the reason that I've been observing this, it's been so interesting for me, is because if you turn around and say, oh, I'm in a networking group and my mom buys from her and, you know, I I know her really well, done deal. They will be happy to give me their money based on the fact that you've actually accredited me. Like, it's the most incredible thing to observe. So that's something that also, as a business owner, getting into networking groups and showing up on social media where you're getting good interaction, the comments that are happening, a new client is going to look at the post, they're going to go, I do it, straight into the comments. It's the same as going and buying an app and reading the reviews. It's exactly the same. You're going to read the comments. And if there's only two comments, you'll be like, but if there's like loads of comments, I mean, I can have like on a Facebook line, I can have like 130, 150 comments. Mm. That's credibility because any new person who's reading this is going, she's a real person. Yeah. And and then of course, I have to go back and answer all those 130, you know, (laughs) so that's about, but no, but it's important that because then it again shows that I'm a real person and that's what people are looking for. They want to. They want to deal with real people. They don't want to be scammed. They don't want to like put in a whole lot of effort. And actually, on the other end, is just a bot. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of the human touch. Now, obviously, uh, you uh, 
looking at COVID and lockdown, your entire business model kind of changed because you moved from a physical space into a digital space. Uh, what sort of impact has that had on your business? Because you've actually closed down your retail space, um, haven't you? Your physical retail space. So, uh, you know, with, with the shift, how have you had to kind of adjust your business? Because, you know, you've just mentioned a chatbot. You, you've got a chatbot now, um, on your, uh, on your app or on your website. Um, you know, how has it been working in this new space and how is it kind of your mindset? How has it shifted and how has it needed to shift into this new space? I was in the retail space for that retail space for 13 years and I, I am a creature of habit. I have had a shift through COVID and my little brush of death has really, thanks to COVID, has made me relook at a lot of things. Mm. But I just was so stuck. Like it was such a big space. And how were we going to do it? And where were we going to go? And I, I just, I, I did all of those things that we do. Mm. And then COVID had, that was, so in the January of 2020, my accountant said to me, listen, you've got six months left on your lease. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I can't think about it now. I'll think about it at the end of April. <laughs> so the lease came up at the end of June and my hubby and I were like, we are so out of here. But just to go back, like when COVID happened, I had a real moment where I was like, oh my word. I'm a niche brand. If people are going to be locked down at home, are they going to need to buy clothes? So I did I did a whole exercise with myself, which I don't often do, but I did the thing where I wrote down. But I wrote down, I didn't do the negative positive. I did the positive negative. So I write, wrote down all the things I loved about my business and all the things that made my business great. And then I wrote down the things that I didn't love. And one of the things I didn't love was this being beholden to a space, time, you have to open X amount of, you know, I just suddenly realized like, you've got an opportunity now to get out. And we made the choice and we got out. Mm. Bearing in mind that by June, we'd already been in five months of lockdown, which yeah. we'd never expected. Any of us didn't expect that. So it was, it was a, a I mean, it was a no-brainer. Um, I made them a deal. I said, look, this is what I can afford. I've got this amount of money up front. I can give it to you for six months. It was like an eighth of what I was paying. Mm. And I came back and said, no, the landlord is not interested. Still, still standing open. It's nearly a year. Still mm. standing. Anyway, yeah. so we were doing most of our stuff online anyway because everybody was locked down. And I do have a relatively older clientele, so they weren't going anywhere. And we just got what, – what happened for me, the breakthrough for me, was that my clientele are older and a lot of them are on chronic medication. They had to learn to shop online from Diskin. Okay. And once they could shop online from Diskin, then they could go and figure out how to shop online from Hey Joy. Yeah. And that was huge. That, that did, so it, it was a very positive thing that happened because my clients could not shop online. Mm. But what I did was I grew my WhatsApp list and that's very personalized. So that list now has 860 women on it. And I do personalized videos that only go to them. I don't share those videos anywhere else. They go directly to them. I talk directly to them. And there I can literally sell out of a fabric within like five months. Oh, like wow. It's, it's just easy. It's confirmed. It's safe. They safe shopping there. And there we take care of everything. We just send them an invoice. They EFT. 
mm-hmm. and we courier to them. We work with the courier guy, couriers, brilliant. They were amazing through lockdown. How they did what they did, I don't know, but my clients were blown away. Mm-hmm. And just something also that I realized during that time was that my clients hadn't seen, a lot of my clients hadn't seen anybody. So the only communication that they had was with me. So whether they were buying that garment because they really, really needed it or whether it was just to have this interaction. And I realized in December when I got all the amazing end of the year messages from everybody that I had become the contact point. I was, I was allowing them to believe that life was still normal because it was Haley Joy, everything was still functioning, we didn't have the store, they didn't really even remember that we didn't have the store. But the process was the same process. You yeah. got a video from me, you reached out, you bought, you got the invoice, and then your contact was the courier guy. You could say hello to somebody because you hadn't seen anybody before. It was the craziest realization. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're in a showroom space, so we do have a tiny little showroom where people can come and try on. Um, which has been really good, and we've been really busy there as well. So we just moved our store upstairs into our factory space because we've got a factory space in Dunkeld where we, we didn't even touch on that. We design and produce all our own clothes. <laughs> 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 <Just by> the <laughs> way. <laughs> we had the factory space, we had a stock room, and then we had, a, we had two little rooms that we just – made a plan with them, whatever. Meg, best thing I ever did, and I'll tell you why, three reasons. First of all, it just freed me from that rent shackle. Mm. 13 years of increases every year, the rent was massive. Mm. It was mm. so massive, it was, just, it was killing me. We weren't doing, we weren't justifying it in that retail space. And one of the big problems was is that I was, I had become consumed with the pressure of that. Yeah. And the difference now in my business and in my income and in my turnover is so vastly different because I'm not consumed by the rent shackle. Mm-hmm. So that is number one. Number two, we, I put in new hours of 10 till 3. Oh my word, what, I mean, like such a difference. Like it gives me an opportunity to do work before and it gives me an opportunity to have a life after. And I know you said I've got a lot of balls in the air. I'm able to juggle all those balls because I can do two hours in the morning of another business. I can do mm. 10 to 3 of Haley Joy and then I can do 3 to 5 of something else. Mm-hmm. So that was enormous. And then the third point was, being back in so close to the factory space, if I have a cool idea or something pops up or a client sends me a picture or something pops up on Pinterest, I can literally walk 25 steps and I'm there and I can pitch it and I can have a sample in two hours. Yeah, yeah. That has been life-changing for me. It's all business-changing for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's all good. All good. Awesome. Now, let's chat about all the balls you have in the air because, yeah, I know that you say 10 to 3, but, like, life happens and sometimes it's not always possible to to stick to your hours. Um, You know, you have an off day and you end up working on Sunday morning to catch up and, you know, these things happen. Business owner, you, you're not going to have the luxury of a 9 to 5 you know, and you shut down on Friday and you don't have to think about work until Monday again. So um 
But now you've you've obviously got your clothing and your design stuff, but now you've got additional channels because you've started, I see on Facebook, you've got another channel called Haley's Joy, which maybe you could delve into that. You've also mentioned that you're selling your actual artwork and um, Natasha, who's just painted my mural behind me, um, she is now helping you in terms of that. I don't know if she's like your your art dealer or whatever, but you're actually <laughs> you're actually selling art, um, and maybe you can kind of delve into that as well. But you've you've obviously got lots of balls in the air. Um, maybe you could just give us a quick run through of a day in the life because, uh, like I say, you've mentioned ten to three, but that's just one business. You've got other stuff going on. How do you juggle everything and keep all those balls in the air? Okay, so first and foremost, the 10 to 3 job has a team behind it. And I have nurtured that team now to a point where that team can just function beautifully without me. So I do a video, I send it to the WhatsApp, I get 200, 300 orders, I process those orders, they go to the factory, and from there I have nothing to do with them. I just liaise with the client. The rest of it, all the fairies in the background. <laughs> yeah. I have fairies, finally. It took me about 30 <laughs> years, but I have fairies. So I have a great And when you, when you get to that point when you scale a business and you're able to build a really good team, then it frees you up to go and play a bit and, and like just do the things that I've wanted to do for so long, number one. But number two, what COVID's also taught us is that one fixed stream of income is not safe. Yeah. It is for sure. a glaring, sh- I mean, all of us, you know, I, I never had a salary last year. Like, I've never not had a salary. And it was like, oh, my word. Okay, I, I chose not to take a salary so that I could pay my staff because I just couldn't go through the whole um, URF thing. And yeah. I'm getting six each of their salaries and they're single moms, they work really hard and I was like, okay, I, I have a little bit of savings, I'll live off my savings and I'll just cut back on everything. But me cutting back on everything is not good for the megs of the world and the whoever's, you know. So it's not, it would have been better if I'd had a couple of streams of income and that came up very clearly for me. Mm-hmm. So I started Hades Joy Shared, which was to just share like, and to do interviews, I was doing before the COVID thing hit me. I, I did some really fab stuff there, and I'm still going to do more fab stuff there. So that's been parked a little bit. Mm. But the um, the art thing is like, I mean, that I just fell into that. Like, I am not an artist, Meg. I can't draw anything. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. This is what this incredible world that we live in affords us. Mm. It affords us the ability to do things that we never ever thought we could do. So I I did an iPhone photography course, amazing course, which just blew my mind. Yeah. And yes, I am receptive and I am awake and I am observant. So within a month I was like watching in the private Facebook group, I was watching all the stuff that they were sharing. This is amazing. Like I could do fabric prints using this. I've never been able to have Photoshop on me. Like, ooh. Too big a beast for me. Anyway, I started playing in all these apps. I started designing and I then had this I wanted to live that dream. I wanted 
to design my own fabric. For Hayley Joy, I wanted exclusive prints for Hayley Joy. I wanted to make vertical stripes, not horizontal stripes. I wanted to make sure that the, that the pattern didn't fall, like if there were circles, that they didn't fall on the boobs. Because yeah. <laughs> when you were 20 centimeter apart or whatever it is, I can't remember what it is, 80 centimeters. Like on thin people, the, the spot, you know, but on a big girl, they're going to sit right on the boobs. So that yes. was not a, <laughs> I started playing and I had, I just, I just fell in love. Mm. I then took an enormous leap of faith and I bought a very fancy, very expensive fabric printer mm. to print. And what I'm wearing now is one of my prints that I did. Oh, awesome. And I knew nothing. And my hubby was like, you can't spend this kind of money. You don't know how to use Photoshop. I said, don't worry, we'll make a plan. <laughs> <laughs> He comes, he comes home one day, says, nice, I met this really cool guy at CrossFit and he's a graphic designer. I'm like, bring him. <laughs> I said, he's going to be the dude that's going to help me learn Photoshop. Anyway, he came, very nice young guy and called me ma'am. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Craig, listen, this is what I want to do. Mm. I need 10 steps in Photoshop. I don't need to learn Photoshop. I need 10 steps to get this photo to a print through this printer onto fabric. Mm. He was amazing. His patience. Can you imagine what he thought? Isn't <laughs> this crazy? She doesn't know how to switch Photoshop on, but she's just bought this like humongous fabric printer. Crazy. <laughs> anyway, I love the dream. I've been living the dream. I design my own fabrics. And then like, I was looking at this and somebody said to me, I would love that hanging on my wall. So I first played on greeting cards. I do greeting cards. They look fabulous. Mm. And I did journals. And I was like, surely if I can print on fabric, they can print this on canvas. Yeah. So the same graphic designer dude, I phoned him, I said, I've got a new idea. <laughs> I've got a new idea. Can't you do this? He said, absolutely, we can do it. Oh, man. What a trip to see the first canvas. I mean, like, amazing. Anyway, then out of the blue, Natasha, who did your beautiful black back wall, which looks so amazing, um, Natasha messaged me and said, I want to represent you and I want to sell your art for you. I was like, you have answered my, you've answered me because I've been thinking it and I signed up to a course and I did a course on how to sell digital art. But you know what? It's that thing with those courses. Like, when you watch them and they're presenting in their videos, it looks so easy. But if you don't actually know all the background, Natasha knows how to do it. Yeah. So I signed up with Natasha and we should be launching soon. And yeah, she's going to be representing. She's going to be selling. And I'm now going, I'm now known as Hayley Joy Weinberg, the digital artist. That's amazing. And you know, it's kind of like, um, not, not really a rags to riches story because that's not at all what it is, but it's kind of that you kind of, I can do that. And then you just did it. And that's like you say, that's the beauty of the, the world that we live in is that you see something and you have got the tools available to you to do it. Uh, I mean, doing an online course and, um, okay, not everyone can afford a, a really expensive printer, but you don't necessarily need that. I mean, you can, you can find a way. And as the saying goes, where there's a world, there's a way. So that's, that's amazing. The thing is, you can, you know, you don't have to print yours. I mean, you don't have to buy the printer. I'm a control freak. 
and mm-hmm. I want the whole process. And I, but also I wanted to experience it. Like I, I really want it. It had been a dream of mine since I was 21. So it's paid itself off 10 times over, mm-hmm. but it's not a necessity. I don't want somebody to think that they can't design prints because they don't have a print. There are plenty of companies mm-hmm. doing it. I, mean, I bought fabric. Uh, two years ago from a, a place in Cape Town called Immaterial. They do amazing printing. Mm-hmm. So, but I wanted, you see, I wanted exclusivity. I wanted prints that nobody could buy, nobody could copy, nobody could see, could, could find. I wanted to give my girls, I wanted to be able to say to my plus size clients, you know what? Here is a print that I designed for you. Nobody else is ever going to have it. Anybody you see in this country will only be because it came from Haley Joy. And I love that. That was part of the whole service thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now, just on that point, would you suggest going straight in for the kill and doing that kind of thing, like exclusivity and that? Because you've built your business up slowly and steadily and eventually you reach that stage. Now, someone who might be looking to enter this space or not even this space, any space in business, do you go immediately for that exclusivity? Uh, what would be your thought on that? Do you need to build a, like, I, I don't know, for me, build the backbone of the business first and then look at kind of going into that space? I think it's it's a case of try and not fish in the same pond, though. Because to stand out today, and unfortunately, there's so much copying. I mean, I get copied all the time. There's a woman copying me at the moment, drives me, drives me twisted, doesn't drive me twisted. Like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to take it for a compliment. But it's like, and, and, and she shares it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really? yeah. But the point is, is that I think if you, if you are really talented and you have this amazing idea, Yes, build the backbone of the business, most important, because otherwise you're just going to crash and burn. Yeah. And then launch it. And the thing today is that if you have something really special to share, you have all these amazing platforms, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, LinkedIn, like a website. You know, you have, I mean, back in my day when I started out, mine was pure word of mouth. Yeah. And my big problem when I worked at home was that the clientele that I did have didn't want to share me mm. because A, they didn't want anybody wearing the same clothes as them and B, they were scared I'd get too busy and then I wouldn't be able to slot them in. So yeah. I had a real That's why I needed to go and open a retail store to get myself and the brand out there more because my clients just weren't sharing it. But I, I really feel that in today's crazy world that we live in, nothing is new, nothing is original. Everything's mm. being done in some shape or form, but... If you have something fabulous, yes, absolutely. I say niche it and go exclusive. Just remember, though, that it's very difficult to be exclusive and charge exclusive prices when nobody knows who you are. Yeah, yeah. What you're saying is you need to build credibility. Mm. And I say today how you can build credibility as a young entrepreneur is Reels, TikTok, IGTV, like get yourself out there sharing, like start a daily blog of your journey on this business. Like there's so many ways to do it that are different. Mm. But to, to pitch up on TikTok and be doing a dance in a top that you're wearing with no context to it is silly. Rather, take us on the journey of how you conceptualized, how you've created it, 
Take us, let us visit the CFG factory. Let us see how it's all evolving. Yeah. That to you is, is exclusivity as well. Yeah. And you know, not, not every industry kind of lends itself to that, you know, your fashion, you are easy to share on social because it's interesting. I'm a writer. So my, if I had to do a live feed, people would watch me writing or sitting behind my computer. And that's not exactly riveting viewing, but you need to think outside of the box. And this is kind of uh, where my Instagram comes in, where I show the stuff that I do, the creative stuff that I do in my free time, how it feeds back in and feeds my creativity and the, the creativeness or creativity of what I do on a daily basis. You can kind of see that journey on the creativity We've all got our own unique processes and mine, obviously, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know what mine entails. I won't mention anything during because I've got clients that listen to this. So those clients can find me on Insta, but um, I'm always really interested to hear how other people come up with their ideas. So could you walk us through your creative process? Do you have a process that you follow or is it kind of like you go with the flow? So mine is an interesting one because my clients actually spark my creativity conversations with the clients but mine like in my downtime how I unwind is I'm a passionate iPhone photographer and I chase every bee every spider <laughs> every insect in my garden I'm sure when they hear the door opening they all like oh no yes she comes <laughs> but I, I I really love that and and one of the things that it's been interesting for me, like work ethic, mm-hmm. like watching the carpenter bees, the bumblebees, and the and the normal honeybees. I'm just watching them, and like and even the birds, like watching that whole process. So nature's been huge for me in my creativity process. But in my in the real like day to day, I am inspired mostly by the feedback from my clients. So I traverse the, the internet. I like love it. You know, like I'm on Flipboard and I, and I Google and Pinterest. Pinterest is obviously it's a great one. Yeah. And I do get inspired like that. But my inspiration comes down to how can I keep evolving a really good fitting style just into you? Like we never change the sizing. We never change the shape of we, we keep. So when you order online, you have consistency. Like your head, if you if you are a Haley Joy two XL and you order that top and the next top comes out in a top, it will fit you the same. That, funny enough, is what where my inspiration comes from. The feedback, the incredible feedback. I get some amazing feedback, and it's it's because I've dedicated the brand to being consistent, respectful, and never claiming to be what we aren't. Yeah. We are a true plus size brand. If you buy a 6XL and a 7XL, you will be blown away because it fits how it should fit. So, but yeah, but nature, like for me, nature, I love, like I love hiking, I love walking, and I just love chasing every insect in my car. <laughs> I like little things as well. I, I'm not a, a professional photographer. I mean, my, I've got a little kind of one of those com- crossover cameras I think they call it it's not an SLR but it's not just a point and shoot it's somewhere in between but um, I like taking close-ups and uh, like macro photography I just love seeing the minutia of life 
and stuff in the garden. So I, I completely hear you. Necro is my thing. Like I am, and my brother sent me an amazing gift for my iPhone. It's a moment macro lens. And let me tell you that when you zoom in, I mean, the detail on a bee is just mm. phenomenal. But the detail, I've got to be careful with the spider thing because everybody's paranoid about spiders. I don't know why. If they actually just got into like observing the amazingness of spiders, but yeah. the detail there also just, and a lot of that. So I've done a lot of, um, fabric prints. Like I did an amazing fabric print conversion from an owl moth. Hmm. And I, I mean, and it, and and you can actually see the eye in some parts of the fabric. I love that. Oh wow! So yeah, my mind is really nature. Like I can spend hours just like looking hmm. and and just even at leaves, the shape of your autumn leaves. Oh my word, that's like one of my also. I love that time of the year because yeah. that's what it's done is, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's just made me so much observant of the small world. Mm. And so much respect for the fact that we think we're so fabulous. Mm. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> we're nothing. We're nothing compared to what they're doing out there. But yeah, the zooming and the macro stuff is, and that, I fell in love with that also. Like within a month of being in that iPhone photography course, I was just blown away. Yeah. And details that I've never known existed. Yeah. And it's just taking the time to, to find it. And, uh, like you say, the, the natural world, I, I love working in my garden and, and one positive that came out of the lockdown and actually being stuck at home, I've always enjoyed gardening, but I have become, lockdown made me so obsessed with my garden. I, it's really difficult to pull me out of it now. And it's not just like buying plants and, you know, the landscaping side, but it's sitting, uh, you know, at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon feeding the birds and watching what comes to the bird table and just watching the antics. And uh, it, it helps you disconnect as well from, from everything. Uh, so, yeah. It's a very important disconnect for me. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just pick up my phone and I go outside and I just, I just, I just lose myself in it. I mean, I've, I've just had an experience with a, well, pre my COVID stint, mm. um, with a crab spider in an arum lily. Oh, wow. Sitting wait for the bees just amazing and i don't i like filmed it over a couple of days like amazing stuff yeah no that's that is my wine yeah. but in saying that i am really really privileged to absolutely love like what i do i often reflect mm. on it now it's 37 years and i'm like i love every minute of going to work i love making a difference i love the creative side i love the designing I just love everything about what I do. And yeah. I think that's a really important thing. Like I no. know you love what you do too because it comes through and that's so special. It really is. And, uh, you know, it's taken me a long time to get there because, you know, if, especially coming from a, a corporate background, you've got the medical aid and the pension and the really decent salary and whatever. But um, you know, to let go of that was, I, look, I had the, the push out the door I needed because I was retrenched. If it wasn't for that, I probably still would be doing that, you know. Um, but doing what I'm doing now, it's like chalk and cheese. You can't believe I'm a different person. I, I'm more myself now than I ever have been in a corporate job. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's, and it's brave. We know, like, it's mm. brave to be a, a, sm a small entrepreneur. And I mean, 
just knowing what coming through COVID and realizing like that there was absolutely no support for us because we deemed to be doing well because we're doing turnover. But I mean, like we are small businesses employing. I mean, I employ five women, five mm. single, uh, four single, and one who who has a partner now. Mm. But I mean, those women's jobs are like paramount to how many other families surviving off these salaries. Yeah, is their support. Like we're a special breed. Mm. Solo entrepreneurs or small entrepreneurs are we're a special breed. I could never I could never work for anybody else. They'd kill me before I killed them. Yeah. I I can't go back to working for a boss. Uh it's now that I've tasted I've had a taste of freedom, I don't know if I could ever work for someone. Uh, well I I suppose you should never say never, but um yeah, this is this is suiting me down to the ground. <laughs> Well, I'm really, I'm really pleased and I'm really, it's really wonderful watching. I love watching you like, yeah. How long have you been on your own as Megamalist? Uh, I was freelancing for a while while I was still employed. I was freelancing on the side, but I went full time basically the same month that I lost my job. So since May 2019, I think. So it's just over two years now. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you and then you went into in, into lockdown as a Jeez. solo entrepreneur. Wow, I can't tell you if it wasn't for that retrenchment money, that package that I got paid out. Um, I don't know what I would have done. Um, because like this time last year, I was not earning enough money to actually pay my bond. Um, so uh, I, one of my other guests, we we discussed having emergency funds and that kind of thing. And you know, if there's money coming into the business, don't spend it. Like draw a salary, don't mess around. Have a savings fund because you don't know when the next COVID lockdown is coming. Um, so I was in a very fortunate position um, financially that I lost my job at the right time and I had money to see me through because my business had just started picking up. And then COVID hit and it crashed and I had to start it all over from scratch. So yeah, um, that's that if I had to give anyone one piece of advice is have savings to back you up because you never know what's going to happen. 100%. I mean, that's was we had, we had three months with it. Remember, we still had the store. So we had the store rent and we had, we had three months. And I just knew that in those three months, I needed to generate the next three, like I was, but I, it is the most valuable advice. Unfortunately, it falls on deaf ears a lot. Mm. But if anybody picks up the advice that instead of going on the holiday or instead of thinking of a refurbishment on your bathroom or whatever, rather keep that money. Mm. And when you've got the next lot of that money, then do the like, And the difference that, that makes to your psyche as a business owner when you've got, I mean, I've been militant this year as well. Thank goodness, Meg. I've been away from work for five weeks. Yes. So work carried on, but the sales dwindled because mm. I wasn't around to generate those sales. That's something else that I've realized that I need to unbundle myself from being the sole creator of sales at Amy Joy. So I'm working on that as we speak. We're working yeah. on it. So, you know, there's all those little things, but it, it is very savings, emergency funds. My mother always used to to say you have to have a rainy day fun of it all used to go oh mom (laughs) my mom used to say um here we've got standard bank and i used to have an account at standard bank and um they had an account called pure save and my mom used to say i mean the interest was like ridiculously low 
But it was like a little savings thing. And my mom used to say, right from when I was in high school already, let's open a pure save and just put a hundred rand a month in that pure save. I mean, it's, it's amazing how quickly small amounts add up if you don't touch it and you just leave it. Like, okay, don't put it in pure save because like I say, the interest is ridiculous. <laughs> you'll, you'll be better just putting it under the, the mattress. But, um, yeah, have some kind of savings. I, I can't stress that enough. Um, because uh, I, I potentially would have lost my house if I if I didn't have money to see me through the drama of last year. So yeah, or we would have had to get ourselves into hectic debt by borrowing money that mm. we would have spent it five years. So so we would have had a crappy twenty twenty, and then we would have had a crappy further five years while we were trying to pay off all this debt. Yeah. So it's twofold what you're saying is that the emergency fund is important to have so you can pay all the bills, but it's also important to have so that you don't end up in more debt. Mm. And if you think the in, if you think the interest on savings is bad, you should see the interest on debt because exactly. <laughs> that that you exactly. the, the interest alone will sink you. Yeah. I mean, I I was thrown money from every quarter. Um, like two, three months into COVID. Like, I can't believe, I can't tell you, like my bank was offering me all this. But when you actually went in and read the fine print, mm. or like defer debt, luckily I didn't have, so, but defer the debt, but then you realize, but you're deferring it, but then you just, it's adding on to the 25 years or 20 years or whatever, crazy stuff. So, mm. yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But Yes, that's a I'm, whole podcast on itself. <laughs> I'm just very pleased to let you know know that we are we are really I mean COVID was actually really good to us because we swung our business and started doing fabulous loungewear and pajamas and the loungewear the plus size loungewear range has been phenomenal. Like my girls have loved and I experienced it through five weeks of COVID. I kept thinking if I didn't have this amazing comfortable clothing, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know Haley, can I just say I don't know how people that work in corporate or even work in a space where they have to physically see people are going to go back to normal clothes because I don't have pants that are not elasticated in the waist anymore. I live either in shorts or in tracksuit pants. Um, I think they call joggers now. Uh, I can't keep up with all these fashion terms, but um, yeah, like I, I dread the day that I have to go into a face-to-face meeting with someone because I'm going to have to buy a pair of pants. <laughs> It's changed so completely, and it's, but one of the things that that emerged for me was that there there is no in the, in the four five six and seven XL space there is nothing to buy. Like nobody's making a decent loungewear set. So I did it. We had great fun doing it. I found a man, and that was so interesting as well. I arrive at a at a supplier to buy fabric, and I'm buying X, and the next minute he says. He says, do you use cotton lycra? I'm like, if it's printed, I sure do. He's like, oh, we just got this amazing job lot of fabric. And he took me to this corner. Oh, I mean, like the most incredible fabrics. So, yeah, it was loungery was the thing that came out of 2020 for me. <laughs> awesome. Um, we've been going for quite a while. So um, I'm going to round off with five quick questions. Um, and then I will release you back to sort out your sales people and uh, you know, your factory and like the 5,000 other businesses that you do. So question number one, define success. Passion. Pure passion. 
Like success is do, is living your passion, doing your passion, being your passion. That is what success really is. Also, part of success is it's not about you. It's about the client. Yeah. And when you make it about the client, the success is, it, it, it's, it takes care of itself. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I've changed the second question. This is a brand new question that I'm asking. Uh, and I'm asking because you're a creative like me. I listen to music 24-7. Do you listen to music when you work? And if so, what and why? Uh, if you don't, then why don't you listen to music? And yeah. So I'm a really strange being. Like, <laughs> it's weird because I love music. But oh. when I'm working, I just want quiet. I don't want any noise in the background or anything. So, no, I don't listen to music. When I'm chilling, so when I'm designing, then I will put music on. Um, I you know what, I listen to so, such a variety. Love black coffee. Black coffee is one of my really great ones when I'm designing for some reason. Yeah. But then I'm a Day girl and I'm a Randy Crawford girl and oh, wow. okay. old, old music. I listen yeah. to a lot of old. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it boggles people's mind because I'm writing and lyrics tend to get in the way, but, uh, I somehow I'm a melody person. Like I, if you ask me lyrics, I can't tell you. I'm a, I just hear the music, not the lyrics. So, yeah. It's interesting um, in terms of part of your creative process because, like, music's a big part of mine. Um, so it's interesting to hear that, you know, from from the creative space it, it is, but then from the business sense it's not. <laughs> Third question. Is there a specific resource that you continually return to that you believe is integral to your personal or Business development. So, when I went through my breakdown, I read two great books, but I didn't read them from start to finish. So I, I do this thing: I take a book, I open it on the page that I open it. If it grabs me there, within then then I'm in. If it doesn't, it's like just a weird way. There are two <laughs> books, they are very strange way, but. They were, had a very profound effect on me. The first one was The Secret, and the page that I opened it up on was the page of the Law of Attraction. I read that that chapter. I never read anything else in The Secret, and my entire life changed to embracing what the Law of Attraction meant. And for me, it meant exactly what I put out is exactly what I get back. Simple. And that's what I do. If I put out negativity... If I put out fear, that's what I, if I wake up every morning and I embrace the day and then the day, and I've proved it over and over again. So for me, law of attraction and the secret. And the other one was the monk who sold his Ferrari. Oh, okay. what a <laughs> And the page that I opened up on was, would you go, and you, this will resonate so for you, would you go out into your garden and pour poison on your plants? No. So why do you engage in stuff that poisons your mind? Oh, Meg, that was so profound for me yeah. because I had doing that. So I did things like I stopped watching carte blanche. Like I mm. thought, who watches carte blanche on a Sunday to set themselves <laughs> up for a whole week of no, no more <laughs> blanche. And I don't, I don't engage in any negativity. I don't read it. I don't embrace it I don't, I'm not interested mm. I do the pretty pretty stuff 
So I put I put pretty pretty on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went through a phase where uh, I was addicted to News Twenty Four. Um, you know, in between tasks, quickly open up and let's see uh, real time. Like, let's check the live tweet, what's happening at the Zondo Commission, and all that kind of thing. And um, I've actually I've got a complete news embargo. And a, a previous guest actually said, you know, you can choose what news you receive, and you're never going to be really out of the loop. But you don't need to be, um, you know. Uh, I interviewed somebody at the beginning of COVID, and he was kind of saying, you know, even with the COVID numbers, you look at the stats, and there's been so many deaths, but you're not. What are you missing? You know, what is the context of that? And do you really need to have that information? How is it improving your life? So, yeah. <laughs> I get feedback all the time. I get constant feedback from people that go, you're so positive. You're such a positive person. I love watching you because you say, oh, but it's a choice. <laughs> it's called the law of attraction. It is yeah. a choice. I am choosing because I've come from such a dark space mm. and that space where we sat glued to carte blanche every Sunday night and then mm. we agonized over the elephants that were being killed in wherever. Like, how was, how was I going to be, be able to affect the elephants of Britain? And I just ditched all of that huge change in my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things that I hate about social or, or not all social media, but Facebook in particular is you click on and if anything's current events, people are commenting and you've got that. That's why I love Instagram because you don't have to necessarily follow friends and family. You follow people or follow a hashtag. I, I love vinyl records. When I hook onto Instagram, my feed is full of people's amazing vinyl collections and that just makes me so happy. So, yeah, um, social media, use it for good or for evil. Um, choose the good. <laughs> I must be honest, in my, in my Facebook, I just unfollow. So anybody, anybody who says they hate Mondays, I unfollow them. Like, I can't deal with people who, how can you hate Monday? Monday is the beginning of a whole new week of a million new opportunities. Switch it up. Yeah. It was after the group that I'm in the other day. How do I deal with the Monday blues? I just like, I never have Monday blues. I love Monday mm. because it's a new week and it's that thing that we've grown up with that horrible, like repeating the pattern of, I hate Mondays or yay, it's Friday. Two, two whole days of no work. If you hate your job so much, get a new job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut <laughs> so it down, Haley. Shut that down. Oh, no, no, I love Mondays. <laughs> Well, now you've kind of already answered this question, but if all the books in the world suddenly spontaneously combusted except for one, what would it be and why? No, I'm, you know what? I'm going to say that it would actually, yes, it would be a third book, The Four Agreements. Hmm. And I never remember his, I never remember her, the author. But The Four Agreements is a brilliant one. I've, that one I've, I've been through many times because it's, it's so simple. It's yeah. so simple. If you live by the four agreements, then life is actually peach. And cool. my life is not perfect, obviously. Yeah. It's bumped. My contract COVID and nearly died. So much for the law of attraction. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want people to think that I'm like, but the four agreements does. It's such a wonderful thing to keep just going back to. Mm. And like, when you're having a moment, just pick one of the agreements and go, okay, yeah, okay. Awesome. I'll definitely have a look. Uh, I'll include that in the in the show notes as well. 
Final question. What one piece of advice do you wish you had received when you started your business? So I think the one piece of business, oh, the one piece of advice that I wish I'd had would be to have niched down earlier, but actually I should have gone into retail much earlier than I did. That would have been the advice that I wish somebody would have been able to say to me, listen, working from home and, you know, being buried at home and mm. seeing one client every two days or three days or whatever is not going to put you in front of enough people that are going to need you for what you're going to do. Yeah. And I think that would be the advice is be careful when you choose where and how you work. I mean, there's there's a terrible downside to retail as well because if it goes patient, I mean, I had to pay that rent. There was yeah. no, like, you know. So, but being visible, especially when you're doing a niche, and when you have a niche brand, is important to keep building new clientele. But again, the advice would be different today. The advice probably would be build an insanely brilliant online store. Mm. That's probably what the advice would be. Yeah. But I can tell you that I, I, everybody who looks at me will go, oh, they must be killing it on their online store. Mm. We don't kill it on our online store at all. Mm. It is very difficult, especially in South Africa, you touched on that. It's very difficult to get people to just part with their money. So my regular clients shop easily online. They have mm. no problem shopping online. But to get new clientele, that's why I'm backed up, and that's why you need so many different streams because mm. I drive all of the people, all of the new clients on Facebook, I drive to my WhatsApp. Mm. Now there's a lady I can see, she's just shopping online every month. Beautiful. Mm. But I gained her first on WhatsApp, then physically in the showroom space. Mm. Now she's shopping online. Yeah, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Hayley. This has been awesome. Um, we've gone way over time i'm so sorry um no, before- do you think anybody will sit and listen to us for an hour and 15 minutes i don't know well um they they listen to to other people so we i guess time will tell <laughs> we, we it doesn't can- matter i had a great chat with you i, so I really enjoyed this uh thank you so much um it's i always feel so void and joyful when i've spoken to you or when i've heard you speak so thank you very much for taking the time um, where can people get hold of you? Because you're obviously all over social. You've, you've mentioned your uh, your online store, your website, your WhatsApp group. How how do people get hold of you? Where can they find you? So the easiest one is at Haley Joy Shop because everything will come up under that handle. The website is www.hayleyjoy.com. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I always, you know, when I do that, I do that for my mother. I have to just share this with you quickly. I walk in one day, my mother was like 82. I walk in one day and she's like black in the face. I'm like, what is the problem? She says, I hate that www thing. You know, when you're Googling something and it's not connecting and that, do you know that today we still laugh at the W, W, I hate W, W, It was such a funny moment with her, you know, that, that generation. So, yeah. So, HayleyJoy.com and um, Facebook is Joy Shop. And that's pretty much where you're going to find me. I am on Instagram. As well, Haley Joy Shop, but yeah, Facebook is a good place to find. Yeah, yeah. and then Haley Joy Shared is my 
it's just my passion project that I'm doing. So awesome. that's at Haley. And uh, the art stuff is obviously not live just yet, but uh, what what is that going to be called? That's called Haley Joy Art. Haley Joy so Art. It's a very simple. Okay. Yeah. And just a reminder to please spell Haley with a Y, H A Y L E Y, otherwise you won't find us. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, oh, yeah, I know all messages. about names, you know. spelling names. You know. <laughs> I get all these messages saying I tagged you, and you and you haven't responded. I'm like, well, you didn't spell my name correctly because I wasn't have got the tag. <laughs> uh, Meg, have a beautiful weekend. You too. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, and yes, I will definitely share this uh, on all my platforms with necessary tags to you, and include all your details in the show notes as well. And yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the time, Haley. That's been great. Lovely chatting to you and lovely watching you as well, man. <laughs> Thanks, Haley. <Hayley. laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Haley. Have a good one. Too. Ciao. Bye. 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 Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.